Before I um, begin with the part of the sermon that I like really prepared, I just wanted to make the observation to encourage you um, that the church is a remarkable place. Um, I think if we were having a, a one-on-one conversation, I could be more specific about it. But uh, in making my way around Sunday school classes this morning and, and considering the way that they uh, ask about and care for one another, um, I was encouraged. And some of the folks I've seen talking together on um, recent Wednesday nights, um, sharing and supporting and encouraging one another, um, I thought that, that those kinds of things don't happen in like every, like every other place. Um, the church is a remarkable place where we get to come and live and share this life and this faith together. And so um, please don't, don't forget that. Um, don't, and don't overlook it, because there's other places in life where um, it's just not as easy to have people who will love you and support you. And um, everybody I know who is a part of this congregation uh, cares for it and for you and, and for one another. And so please, just, just don't forget that. Um, it is worth paying attention to. In a couple weeks, the sermon is titled A Different Kind of Community, and I suppose I could, could have saved it for then, um, but uh, it just felt right to say that uh, this morning, to remind you of that this morning. Now, now moving on, um, I, I thought this was a preacher saying, and I thought it was a preacher saying that I came too late because I have come to a lot of preacher sayings late. Um, but one of the preacher sayings that I love is, um, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right? Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Now, it turns out that's not a preacher saying. It's a Mark Twain saying, which kind of gives it even a little bit more power. Um, but as I share this illustration with you, um, don't let the truth get in the way um, of an interesting idea. You know the, the story about the frog and the boiling pot, that if you put a frog in a cold pot of water um, and just gradually raise the temperature, the frog will you know, just, just succumb to the hot water. Um, but if you take the frog and you throw it in the boiling pot, it will jump out um, well, the truth is, the frog will jump out of a hot pot of water no matter what. Um, but again, don't let the truth get in the way of a good illustration. Because um, the analogy is, is this, as we consider struggle and, and desperation and difficult times that we experience in life, there are times uh, when it seems like things are going smooth or they're not that bumpy. It seems like um, we don't know how desperate things really are until all of a sudden, holy cow, it is hot in this frog pot. There's a lot of animals in that sentence. And we're forced to jump out, or we think that we just got thrown into the desperate hot pot, and it's time to jump out and do something different. I was thinking about how um, everybody wants to eat healthy when they're dealing with the stomach bug, right? Or everybody commits to, 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 to living differently when they're dealing with the flu. And then you get back into normal life and you kind of ease off and, and, and we forget. But today in our lives, there is a sense that we are all desperate. We're all desperate. We're all in need of something. We're in need of a faith 
And we are in need of a relationship with God that is more real and uh, more powerful than we could imagine. Some of us are probably doing better than that, better at that than others are. But all of us need the Lord. We need God with us. We need to know that we are following the Lord faithfully. The, the disciples, they responded. They jumped out of, of the hot pot right when Jesus called. He got up, they got up and went with him. And I wonder today, though we know that God will be with us at the end, and that we know, yes, God is always with us now, I wonder, are our relationships with each other, and, and even more specifically, is our relationship with God today what it could be? Is it what we need it to be? Or is it time for us to realize, hey, I'm kind of desperate for something different. I need to follow a, a different way. I need to hop out of that pot like the frog finally decides to hop out of the pot. Those are some of the things that I thought about that, that somehow illustrated what it is we're about to read from the Gospel of Matthew. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear Jesus calling his first disciples. And there's a lot of ways to maybe think about or understand or explore this passage. But one of the ways is, I think maybe those disciples were desperate for something new when Jesus came along and called them. Maybe we'll think about that as we turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 and we read verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He went to Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee to the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing diseases and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Another proverb that is not so much literally true, but, but definitely expresses a spirit and expresses something we see is the, the proverb, the phrase, it's always darkest before the dawn. The Weather Underground app will tell you that dawn happens, and before dawn happens, there's first light. 
Um, so, you know, it's not literally darkest before dawn. But it feels that way in life, doesn't it? That's, that describes how life feels. And our scripture readings today begin or, or talk about that, that dawn that will be coming. Yancey read from Isaiah 9, and, and, and Matthew quotes it, that the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who lived in a land of darkness, on them a light has shined. There was a sense of desperation that was present as Isaiah was delivering this passage to his people. They were desperate for something else, and they were ready, they needed a great light. And so the promise that Isaiah makes, that, that to the people will come a great light, is, is, is deep, powerful, good news to the people who are hearing this. They needed something else. They were stuck in exile. They needed to experience God in a more powerful way, and they felt like they were in darkness. So they needed a light, and to, they needed a hope. And so when we read and when we hear and when we remember that prophecy from Isaiah, we should sense hope and possibility. Something good is coming. God is going to bring something good for his people. We can feel like God is going to do something bigger and better that we get to be a part of. And so this passage should take us from dark times and dark experiences and remind us that the light and the power of God comes and will come when we're ready to embrace it. The thing is, I think sometimes we're in denial about ourselves and about our lives and about our situations. I think maybe sometimes we don't attend to what's happening with us as good as we should. We don't think we need God's promise or work or intervention and so we miss out on it. We think we can do it on our own. We don't realize the true power of God that's coming and, and all along the, the temperature in that frog pot is raising and raising and raising. And we could have jumped out a long time ago. And then it gets dark. Then it gets hot. And we look for the dawn to come. We know we need the dawn the most when we're the most desperate so think about it, when, when have you needed the light of God's presence and love to come? When have you needed it to dawn on you? When has it arisen on you or for you? I think it comes to the disciples in, in Matthew's Gospel. Right before, we re, right before this passage that we read, Jesus has completed the temptation narrative. He was baptized, and then he was brought into the wilderness, and he was tempted, and then he receives news that John has been arrested. And he carries on, and Matthew carries on this message of repentance for the good news of God. And then the story gets interesting. We rehear we, we re that Isaiah passage, but then Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Presumably he's like making this proclamation known. The kingdom of God is here. It's coming. It's at hand. And these young men who have been their, their 
father's assistants. They've been a family of fishermen their whole life. They get out of the boat and they follow Jesus. They lay down everything that they've known. First it's Peter and Andrew, because Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll help you fish for people. Now, I've wondered what's going on in this passage. I think it's good to, to question it, like what? Like, did they know Jesus beforehand? Like, had they planned this out? And so they're like, Jesus, there's going to be that day when you're walking, and you're just going to come get us, and then we're going to go, and it's all going to work out. And is that what Matthew's telling us? Or, or had they like, had they heard that something good was going to happen, and when they saw Jesus, they realized it was time? Or were they so desperate as fishermen that the idea that something new could come along and that God might be a part of it got them out of the boat and moved them on to something to something new. I wonder because like if you were at work or you were doing something that you even like a hobby that you marginally enjoyed if someone like came through and said, "Hey, come, the kingdom of God is near. You should follow me." Like, would you, would you do it? Would you leave your, your office to follow a new career because you thought God was leading you to do that? Or would you, or would you just keep on, like, keep your head down and then over dinner that night tell your, your spouse, your family, you know, the strangest thing happened today at work. Someone came through and, like, begged us to follow him and, like, no one was going to do it. The only thing I can think of is like in that in the movie Jerry Maguire, like Renee Zellweger decides to follow Jerry Maguire. She's like the only one. And it's a struggle then after that. And I'm afraid to say, as I was working on this sermon in the office, if Jesus had walked through and said, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's time to go, I'm not sure, as much as I would have wanted to get up from my computer at that moment, I don't know if I would have done it. But, but Simon Peter and Andrew, they get up and they follow, either because they have no fear, or they knew what Jesus was doing, or maybe, and at least I think we can think about it this way today, maybe they were so desperate for God to do something in their lives that they were ready for a new experience of God and God's kingdom. And they wanted to be a part of that, so they laid down their nets and they followed Jesus. And what's remarkable about this passage is that that doesn't happen once. It happens twice. Simon and Andrew, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're there mending their nets, doing the hard part of fishing, I think. Because having good nets is really important if you're going to catch fish. And he called them, and they laid down their nets, and they went on and they followed him. Maybe they were just tired of mending nets. Maybe they were just so desperate for God to do something that they, they got up and followed. Sure, maybe they knew Jesus and they knew it was time to go. But I can imagine a scenario where they were so desperate for God to work in their lives that they left it all, they laid it all down to follow Him. I think we can imagine that scenario. I think we live in a time 
where if we allow our lives to be governed by the public rhetoric outside, things seem uneasy, they might seem dark, the temperature in the frog pot might seem like it's really hot. And into a desperate situation walks Jesus, calling disciples out of their desperation to do something new, imploring them to lay everything down and follow him, telling them it's dark, but here comes the light. Follow me and I'll lead you to it. And then the ones who are his disciples do. They pick up and follow. Maybe they don't leave work and their jobs and their careers because they do have to provide for their family. But something changes. And they see, this is how I want to live. This is how I want to be. This is who I want to align my life and self with. They've struggled enough. When we have struggled enough, We're ready to lay everything down and to follow Jesus. And so I think that that is what this passage is about today. Just as Jesus calls those four disciples forward out of what to me would be the desperate situation of cleaning up after fishing. They lay it down to follow him in a a new way, in a powerful way. They lay it all down. They lay down the things that would have kept them from following him because you couldn't follow Jesus around the region of Galilee if you were holding on to your nets that kept you in that water, that kept you in the sea. They laid it down and they started following him. And we ask ourselves, what do we need to lay down that's keeping us from following him as well? Thinking back, and even thinking in this moment about this little aspect of this story that's personal, it seems a little bit trite, but man, it was on my mind this week. I remember laying down my major as a sophomore, or laying down my undecided major as a sophomore, which, you know, if you're a sophomore and you're still undecided, it's kind of a glorious and horrible place to be all at the same time, isn't it? I had done well in my pre-med classes as a freshman. I had made the cut, but I lost interest in that. I didn't like dissecting things. So as a sophomore, I maintained undecided status, but was like, I'll get a business minor for good practice. And I stumbled through an economics class only to arrive at accounting as a second semester sophomore and spent more time in those nine days doing accounting homework than I could have ever imagined doing with all of my classes in the previous semesters. Because while I get the concepts of accounting, the, the tedious nature with which you have to be accurate about your numbers is not a strong suit of mine. I married a balanced checkbook. I didn't create one on my own. And so I walked into that advisor's office that day saying, I, this accounting thing, I, I kind of get it, but it's just not for me. But you know, there's this church history class that meets at the exact same time as this accounting class. And I walked out, I walked out the advisor's door as a religion major registered in a church history class. And a couple months later, I was called to be a youth minister. And there was a desperation for me, the way that a, a, a privileged college student can be desperate. 
There was a desperation that I wasn't doing the right thing. I wasn't in the right place. And no, that is not the desperation that many people experience in life. It is not. But it was a moment where you had to, I had to lay something down in order to pick up what it was that God wanted me to do. It was a moment where I thought I was stuck. So I put something away, and I realized that it was this call of God that was going to stick with me. And I don't know what your laying down moment was, and I don't know what your next laying down moment is going to be, but I suspect that you do, and I suspect that God does. And so when have you experienced that jump out of the hot frog pot? When have you realized that it was time to lay everything down and start in a new way? And today, do you need to think about that as well? How today can you lay things down so that you can follow Jesus more faithfully? Because though I've danced around it with stories and ideas and a couple quips and sayings, the the question that this passage brings to us every time we read it is a question that never gets old. Though we don't often change until we're desperate. Though we rarely change until the pain of changing is less than the pain of staying the same. Is it time for you to change who you're following today? Are you in a dark moment and you need a light to come? One of the most powerful decisions you can make is the one to lay stuff down and to follow the light of Jesus. And so I don't know how you feel today. I don't know how your relationship with God feels today, but I do believe this about Jesus today and every day. That in your life and mine, there are things that we do. There is mending, the mending of nets that we need to attend to. But you may be frustrated or desperate or in need of something else. And by being here today and acknowledging that, you have the opportunity to see Jesus walking by you, calling you forward into something else. Jesus is walking by this room today and asking us to join him in a life and a work and a purpose and his kingdom And we have the opportunity to jump out of the the hot frog pot into a new life with him. Jesus is offering you a way forward today out of the struggle and into something else. And so the question we face today is that, are we ready to follow him again? Are we ready to follow him anew? Are we ready to follow him for the first time? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing in the world? Or are you okay with where you are right now? Like a frog in a pot where the water is gradually getting warmer. Let me assure you that the water is warm. And so think about setting things down and deciding to follow Jesus today. Follow Jesus anew today. That is the invitation This is the call that will carry your life forward. Consider how God is leading you to respond as we pray together now. 
Gracious and loving and holy God, we come to you today thankful for all of the ways that you come and meet our every need. And Lord, we have spiritual needs that you meet, and today we, we ask you to attend to those. Help us attend to the ways in which uh, you call us forward to be faithful. Help us to find ways to attend to our faith and our relationship with you in new ways. And help us to have the courage to lay down our nets and to follow you faithfully when you call us forward. Loving God, this, these are our prayers that we ask and we offer to you today. We trust that you hear them and we know that you will respond and help us to respond. And it is in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who calls us forward that we pray today. Amen.